All right, everybody, we're back after our, what, one month hiatus. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the off-season edition. So this is kind of a last-minute uh, change-up for us. As we talked about on the last episode of season one, we said that we were going to go into season two, but obviously we love our fans out there, so we want to give you guys some extra content. So here, here we are off-season edition let's get this underway so i'm sure you guys were wondering what we were doing for a month and we actually did take a vacation so we all went up to portland and vegas uh for a week to get a get away from the islands a little bit um but i think that kind of kicks off our first topic so the fan here <laughs> i was not there but the fan went to UFC in Vegas and he was probably the first of our friend group to experience that. So I'm going to turn it over to you, buddy. What was that like? That must've been pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a really cool environment, honestly. Um, so, you know, we play, we paid a good amount for these tickets. So we wanted to watch as much as, as many of the fights as we could. Right. So we were there from the early prelims. Um, the card itself was stacked, right? It was, as you can see by my shirt, UFC 276. So that was the Adesanya fight. Holloway fought Volkanovski. Uh, there are a couple other big names. Sean O'Malley was on the card. The fights itself, um, at least for us, a little disappointing. Um, you know, there are two Hawaii guys on the card, Brad Tavares and Max Holloway, both lost. Uh, I felt bad. You know, Max got pretty beat up. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Uh, it was it was kind of tough to watch, and there were a lot of Max fans actually, just in the arena itself. So, you know, once the fight start, you know, he came out. It was really hyped. The fight started. It was pretty quiet. It was a pretty somber mood in the arena. Uh, I mean, there were Volkanovski fans for sure, but you know, there you could definitely feel the support for for Max there. Um, Adesanya fight a little slow, kind of one of Izzy's you know typical slower methodical fights not nothing crazy even the o'malley one ended in that eye poke quote-unquote eye poke right uh yeah little disappointing there but overall the experience was good i mean i don't know if i would go again to a ufc event maybe if it's like another huge card in vegas um but t-mobile arena really nice really easy um <clears throat> we're the only ones wearing masks i mean <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> oh shocking uh, yeah shocking right um but other than that, yeah, it was a pretty good experience. Um, would definitely consider going again. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Well, the real question is, how much was the beer? <laughs> Actually, you know, not crazy. Probably about what you would expect, like around 12, 12 bucks. So nothing oh, like really? ridiculous. Not like twenty, thirty dollar beers, right? That's um, what I was gonna say. I thought yeah. it was gonna be like twenty bucks. No, it wasn't. It wasn't actually too bad. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a good night overall. We had fun. So yeah. Kind of wish I was there, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. Next trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. But let's shift gears a little bit to the NBA. Um, so there's some big news that we kind of missed while we were on break. So Kevin Durant came out of the news for the past, I would say, 
think it's been weeks. a month now. Yeah, month. like ever since we went on break, um, KD requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, and it has been chaos in terms of all these reporters trying to figure out where the heck he wants to go. And it's, oh my god, I, there was one trade that came out today, um, and it was due or it was with the Celtics. So for those of you that don't know this, it was reported that the Celtics offered Jalen Brown, uh, I think it was Derek White, and a, like a key role player and three first-round picks to the Nets for KD, and they declined that because they wanted to include Marcus Smart in the deal. So what did you, what did you think about that trade offer by, by the Celtics? I mean, three first-rounders is no joke with Jalen Brown. Um, I don't know. I still don't know if that's enough to get Kevin Durant on a, you know, four-year contract, right? Um, I mean, him and Tatum would be an insane duo, but does it solve Boston's problem like we said, right? Like, they still don't have – oh, no, I'm sorry. They had – they got Brogdon. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that makes Boston the – it has to make it, them a top, you know, contender. Uh, I already think they are a top contender with just Brogdon. But now it's going to be interesting to see what this does to the Jalen Brown Celtics relationship, right? He tweeted out, like, SMH or something today. Uh, so he's clearly disappointed by these rumors. Uh, I mean, they had a hell of a run this past postseason, right? They knocked off all the big dogs in the East. Uh, I guess a little shocking. Um, but, I mean, who's not going to try to trade for KD, right? Um, but who knows? You know, Jalen Brown, maybe this kind of puts a rift between him and the Celtics, so... Uh, I guess we'll have to see if if that um, causes any any future drama between those two. Um, but I don't fault the Celtics. I mean, you have to try to trade for for KD. I think every team in the league has to try to trade for KD. I, it's like it's it's a no brainer, you know. Um, I'm a little surprised they just didn't offer Smart. I I seriously yeah, me too. I seriously think I would offer Marcus Smart. I mean, yes, Defensive Player of the Year would be a huge, I think, six-man with that current rotation. But it's Kevin Durant, man. Um, you know, he people, people don't realize the defensive value he brings either, right? Being able to guard one through five. Um, obviously, one of the, if not the best scorer on the planet, right? So, I don't know. I think, I don't, I think you, tr- you, you put everyone on the ta- table outside of Jason Tatum. Um, and you you go get KD. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but no, I I, I completely agree with you. I was like, what are you doing, Boston? Like, Marcus Smart is the reason why you don't want Kevin Durant. Like, come on, bro. Like, I know they're worried about. Oh yeah, Marcus Smart. He's kind of been you know he's been there through the rebuild and just kind of been a a really key piece to the team. Um, but obviously, right now, there's no such thing as loyalty in any sport. It's like 
how are you going to get better each year? That should be the goal. That is the goal for basically every team. And with the move that Boston made, I think with getting Malcolm Brogdon to be a true point guard, which is what they were lacking in the finals. Like if that's what it takes to get KD, I I, I got to pull that plug. And it's only, if you think about it, I know you're giving up Jalen Brown, but like Rudy Gobert went for what? Five first round picks. And you're going to give up three for KD. And even if you get KD, you're expected to at least make the playoffs and supposedly make a pretty deep run. So it's not like you're going to be in the lottery anyway. Like I, to me, first round picks only matter if you're a team rebuilding and if you need those picks and Boston don't need that because KD, I'm pretty sure he's under contract for at least it's four years. I want to say four, three, four it's, years. It's four years. Yeah. Right. My Adam so, Silver is pissed. <laughs> Yeah, right? he wants them to play out their contracts, which is fair. I, I mean, I get that. Yeah. yeah, so if you look at that, okay, you give up three first-round picks. Katie's contract is four years. Katie leaves anyway or retires, then you got your picks back. Like, you, it didn't work with Katie. I mean, everything's okay. You're still going to have Tatum. And then you can, you know, start reloading after that Katie experiment expires. So I was a little confused. I thought Boston should have pulled the trigger. Um, I think they're going to regret it <laughs> because I think the offer is going to be much higher for another team if KD ends up getting traded. But hard to say because personally, I think he's going to stay on the, the nets to start the year. <laughs> it's kind of like the Juan Soto thing. They're asking for a lot and our mm-hmm. team's really going to give up that much. So... It's going to be very interesting. But it's Kevin Durant, man. I know. It's Kevin Durant. But, it's, but, but like Soto, right? It's Juan Soto, 24 or 23-year-old superstar. Okay. Here's my thing. only thing, right? Just if we, Let's just compare baseball and basketball. There's five players on the court, right? Versus nine plus a pitcher, pretty much. That's how it is nowadays, right? Just like statistically speaking – a player on the basketball court, one player can have just so much more of an impact, in my opinion, than and one individual can have in baseball, right? Because baseball is like that ultimate weird individual team sport. Like it, like honestly, it's a team sport, but you have to perform yourself, right? Um, whereas basketball, I don't know. I just think you can uh, have such a great impact with one player like you live off your superstars in the nba now that's that's how it works so i don't know we'll see um yeah i think i think boston regrets it yeah they're gonna regret it eventually but enough with the nba let's move let's move to a little nfl talk here so kyler murray recently made some headlines with his contract extension signing a five-year deal worth $230 $230 million. That is whew, a lot of money for a guy who hasn't won a playoff game. <laughs> Let me say that. But I thought it was pretty interesting. And we were kind of talking about this offline too, that there was a little like statement in his contract that said that he needs to uh, produce about four hours of film study in his contract for each game week. And I was kind of like, you know, raise a little red flag in my head. Like, why Why would they want to release that? And why is that in the contract? 
like to me that tells me something about kyler as a as a person i'm so not surprised what did, you, what did you think about that not surprised at all um we we talk about this like we we talked about it in the nba right like this new the younger guys quote unquote right like the cats the ben simmons um how you know the talent is always going to be there just sometimes it's it's not even all the time but sometimes there's a question about you know maturity or professionalism um with just some of these younger players and i think it appears is transitioning over to the nfl um and kyler you know we talked about this during the regular season his body language on the field right is just really um he's really wears his heart on his sleeve when he plays right when he's frustrated uh you can see it right um you know and that's when i feel like you lose a little bit of that mental edge right like the defense is like oh we're getting to him he's getting frustrated like you know he's he he he's not ready almost so just kind of these things all adding up obviously talented out out of this world right but you know the maturity maybe this is just the cardinals way of getting that you know maturity and professionalism out of him um it could be a good thing for kyler who knows maybe this is just the push he needed right um but i mean the cardinals are locked in so if they're willing to pay all that money might as well ask for what you pay for right um i don't know i i don't have a problem with the cardinals but like i i do agree with you um seeing it that you know this does raise some red flags about just kyler himself yeah and i think it's interesting too because like the cardinals really had no choice like like you're not just gonna let kyler leave like quarterbacks don't just come you know like oh you just they just don't come that like like that like you really kind of got to get lucky and have one fall into your lap and they invested kind of a lot in him. Obviously, they drafted him number one overall. And, you know, we know what type of athletic talent he is. Obviously, was a top 10 pick in the MLB draft as well. So when you get a talented guy, I mean, it's hard not to pay him. So it, it's going to be really interesting to me. And Kyler, to me now, he has a lot of expectations now. It's like oh, you yeah. don't pay a guy 200, what was it, 60 million to just oh i gotta make the playoffs like nah that's the kind of money you pay for a super bowl (laughs) so he's got he's got five years to to justify that contract or six i guess because he's still in the contract now but he's got six years to deliver a super bowl to the desert if not it's not gonna look good for him to me yeah another thing i think this is just a little caveat but i think this puts kingsbury on the hot seat as well because they're okay. going to stick with Kyler now, right? Um, so I think Kingsbury, you know, obviously great. They've had some great starts this season. They just can't close. So I think this is going to be a big season for Kingsbury to see his future going forward with the Cardinals too. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good point you there. And Kingsbury actually was the guy that wanted Kyler. Like, they were kind of like the package deal. So... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll just sign Kingsbury for another five years and just I don't know, man. Ride, ride or die with it. <sighs> it's tough. But 
to me, this this Kyler contract is interesting too because now everyone just looks at the Ravens and it's like, okay, so what are you going to do with your quarterback now? And it's looking better and better for Lamar, let me tell you oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. think he's going to sign up? I think he's going to get 50 now. Well, he's. Do, I think he's got to get more than Kyler, right? I mean, maybe obviously not as traditional of a, you know, passer as we've seen. But we can't say he doesn't win, right? I think he has the highest winning percentage of any quarterback in however long Lamar has been playing. Was it five years now? Four or five years? Something yeah. like that. Um, so he's a proven winner, right? Obviously the dynamic legs, MVP, all that. Um, with Harbaugh, I mean, as his coach, and, you know, Lamar's not – I think he's a little different from Kyler, he, you know, just as young. But we, we've we seen the coachability and the maturity, I think, from Lamar. Um, he He's willing – he will take the blame after losses, stuff like that. So uh, I would feel a little uh, – just a little better paying Lamar just for the leadership and emotional, you know, maturity. Obviously not – I don't think not nearly as gifted a passer as Kyler. Um, he has the tools. We just haven't seen it, you know, all put together, I guess. Um, but it's going to be the same thing. I mean, you know, if Baltimore commits to Lamar, he's going to have to deliver as well. So um, it's going to be tough. But I don't know. If I'm Baltimore, I really don't think you have a choice um, but to pay him. Because what are you going to do, tank for – that's that's not in john harbaugh's blood right like yeah he's not gonna go lose 13 14 games to get a high draft pick i don't think he would allow it so i think if you're the ravens you have to make it work with lamar um you i would go all in uh just play how you've been playing you know run the ball play defense um obviously that's a combo that's worked throughout the history of the nfl so I don't know. If I'm Baltimore, I got to go all in. I think the Ravens should have learned from Dallas with the whole Prescott thing. It's like when you know you have a guy, like you don't wait to pay him. Like you kind of do what the Chiefs did. You sign Patrick Mahomes early. You sign guys like Russell Wilson early or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, when you have that dude and you know he's going to be your franchise quarterback, like just pay him because, you know, at the time, we were like, wow, Dak signed for four years, $140 million. Like, what are the Cowboys doing? Like, that's, you know, if they, if they what you call, paid him two years earlier, he would only have $35 million a year. Now you got to pay him 40 But you fast forward two years later, now Lamar's probably going to get $50 million, So that Dak contract looks like a bargain. So the Ravens are really just kind of, digging themselves a hole in terms of their financial situation with Lamar, because you can use that money to, for another position, another need, another depth piece. So Baltimore, enough waiting around. Just, just pay them already. <laughs> pay the man, <laughs> just pay him. Yeah. But that's not my team. So maybe, yeah, wait, wait, wait around a little bit, <laughs> but all right, let, let's, let's stick on the, the NFL topic. So, we both kind of are big followers of this, but the Madden ratings just came out. 
for the new Madden 23. And I actually wanted to talk about this because I think there's one player that needs to be uh, not shouted out, but needs to be recognized. But uh, when they released the linebacker ratings, that was the one that kind of raised a red flag for me. And that's because my linebacker was tied for seventh in the ratings. And I really know it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because they end up adjusting the ratings you know, throughout the season. But you're telling me Michael Parsons was an 88 overall? <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I, I'm looking at the guys who are above him. So Fred Warner was a 94. Demario Davis at 93, really? Levante David at 92, are you kidding? Okay, Bobby Wagner, I respect. Darius Leonard, I respect. Personally, Michael Parsons is a little better. Rokon Smith, 89. I mean, come on, Madden. Like, you saw what the guy did. Like, he literally does everything for Dallas. He rushes the passer. He's their best pass rusher. He can cover everyone down the field. He can cover tight ends. He beat Tyreek Hill in a foot in a foot race. Like, come on, guys! Oh my god! What 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 can't this guy do? He beat Tyreek. He beat Tyreek was basically walking. Hey, he beat Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a is a star running back in this league, and he he beat him. So I'm just saying, Madden, you guys did your boy wrong. You guys gotta fix this, fix this issue because you gotta give eleven from heaven his flowers. Oh. Any 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 comment on that? I mean, you, you gotta know, agree. Okay. I'll you gotta agree me on that one. Yeah, he should be probably a ninety, uh, with the impact that he had. I'll give you I'll give you a ninety for Michael Parsons. I can see a ninety. They're tough, you know. Madden is really tough on second year guys. So I, I don't know, like I don't think they don't even have Jamar Chase as a ninety. I think he should be a ninety. Right, I don't know why they do this, um, but I'll see your eighty-eight. That's too low for an eighty-eight. That's too high, uh, and that's the running back of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Bro, they have Zeke as an eighty-eight. Hey, Zeke, he Ezekiel Elliott, who lost his his starting position, uh, this year to Tony Pollard, um, I. You know, they have Pollard as an 81. I would bump Tony up to, you know, maybe 83, 84 territory. But Zeke as an 88, you're telling I that disgusts me. Like that just makes me sick. Um well, I, I think Madden understands that he was playing injured for most of the year. I don't and he's, care. He's he still had a thousand yard season and he's the best pass blocking running back in the league so maybe they like pass blockers i don't okay, know Okay, whatever um <laughs> he can catch the ball out of the backfield i mean he doesn't have the speed that he once had but you know he's still a quality back when healthy all right well whatever maybe <laughs> i still think that's too high but it's not as egregious as the next one i'm about to say and that's the quarterback for the <laughs> dallas cowboys dak prescott okay just for context, right? So they have him at an 89, okay? Overall, the number itself, not the craziest thing. I don't think it's that crazy. 
But the problem that I do have is all the guys they have him above. You're telling me Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Super Bowl champion Matt Stafford are are not as good as Dak Prescott? I'm sorry. Like, I can't even fathom what Madden was thinking there. Like, you know, like if I just compare games, right? Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, like their games are pretty similar, right? You know, Dak's a little more mobile, but, you know, Stafford has pretty good arm. They're not dynamic athletes, right? But they're kind of, you know, like that those more traditional pocket passers. But to have like Herbert after the season he put up, right? Lamar Jackson, former MVP in 87, Russell Wilson, I mean, okay, Russ had a down year. He was in Seattle, but we're acting like he's not a Super Bowl champion. You know, still keep, I can't. I that's just disgusting. You know, it's, I, it's not I'm even actually... about the number. It's about it's about putting him above those guys. I don't. I can't. So I I I'm I'm not gonna debate you on this one because I'm with you. He should not be above them because he got paid seventy five million dollars to do nothing like that like that. <laughs> That doesn't cut it. I mean, it's not like he was putting up crazy numbers. I, I know he broke the Cowboys single season record for most touchdown passes this year, but I mean, it was against the Eagles like second unit. Like, come on. Like, and it, there's an extra game this year. Right, yeah, right, right. So to me, you kinda kinda gotta use your head a little bit, Madden. Like, you know, Dak really did not have a great close to the year and yeah, this this one I I can't I can't fight this one. I I agree with you. I think all all the quarterbacks you listed, Herbert, uh, Lamar, Russ, Stafford, shoot, you could even maybe argue Deshaun too. Like you could put him up there because you know when Deshaun was healthy and and right. Yeah. I mean yeah. he's he could be a top he's top five quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, yep. I I don't know about that one, Madden, but. Ezekiel, no problem. Micah Parsons, absolutely ridiculous. He should be like top, top, top two, top one, you know. Yeah, maybe not that That's all I got. And then Trayvon Diggs, you know, he's not even in the top 10. Come on, guys. He had he had the most interceptions this year, but not going to get too hyped about that. Also, (laughs) just real quick, look at Madden already trying to trying to split up uh, Dolphin Nation again. They have Teddy and Tua at the same rating. Like they actually list Teddy higher than Tua on this list. They're, they're just trying. They're just trying to, you know, they just hate on Tua. So when Tua leads Miami to the playoffs, I want to see him at at least an eighty next year. All right, Madden. Do you do you understand what I'm saying? All right, that's hey, it. Madden. Please listen to the podcast because there's a lot of complaints coming right now. So you guys better fix this as it's soon as possible. Disgusting. For the season starts. But uh, before we before we get into um our surprise guests for today's show. Obviously, we always have a sports fact. So today is July 25th, and back on 1999 to this day, uh, Lance Armstrong won his first of seven consecutive Tour de France titles. But obviously, we know what happened after that. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, was he was he cheating <laughs> he, already, though? He, like... uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole drug cheating thing but you know he was you know before that we all knew he was 
possibly the goat of, the goat. of cycling. So I mean, I, it's the only cycler I That's know. That's me too. Cyc- <laughs> cyclist, sorry, cyclist, cyclist, cyclist. Yeah, but um, let's let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with our surprise guests for the show. So we'll be back. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back from our short little break. So kicking off the first ever off-season episode, uh, we bring on a returning guest from a previous episode that we had. Obviously, uh, we're going to get into some deep baseball talk right now. So we got to bring on our uh, fan and the fanatic baseball analyst, and that is Jaden Arakal. Jaden, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's good to have you back. Going on. What's going on, guys? Uh, great to be back. Uh, looking forward to some more talk. You know, lots been going on, so uh, let's get yeah. after it. Yeah, I know this is this is a good time for you to come back on because you know where we are with the MLB season. Uh, the second half of the season just kicked off. We just came back from the All Star break. Um, so let's let's start with the All Star break. So obviously, um, there was the home run derby, and Juan Soto ended up being the home run champion this year, but there was one, one uh, participant, I would say, that kind of stole the show, and that's someone from your Mariners. Dare um, I say, uh, Julio? <laughs> yes. Mr. Julio. Julio Rodriguez. I thought he was the star of the show. I mean, what did you think about his performance? As a um, you know, for, for me, nothing new. Right. But uh, for the rest of the league, the world, this is kind of his uh, coming out party. So uh, I'm really, really happy to finally, uh, for at least for some Mariner to get some recognition from the world, not just uh, from the Northwest. Um, you know, it was, it was no surprise. Um, happy what I saw. He took down the reigning champ, hit 32 bombs in the first round. You know, if that's not going to steal the show and catch everybody's eye, I don't know what will. So. It was good. Good to see. Good to see some uh, Mariners in the mainstream. I was like, after that first round, I was like, oh, God, like he hit 32. I was like, I think he might beat Pete. And sure enough, just ran out of gas at the end, you know. But obviously a great, great start to his career. And then as we move to the All-Star game, um, really, you know, typical MLB All-Star game, dominated by pitching as usual. Um, but did you notice any really key takeaways from the game? Like, did any players really make a standout performance to you? My favorite thing is when they mic the players up. So I think my favorite part of the whole game was Alec Manoa pitching. Uh, that was the Blue Jay. That was sick. I think he absolutely shoved too. And it was kind of cool because like John Smoltz would tell him, oh, I'll throw this here. And he'd do it. And, you know, I mean, they're all all-stars. They all can do that. But I really think them miking the players up and not having Joe Buck made the game a lot better. <laughs> Joe Buck. I think Joe Davis made, made, it, made, it, made it a little better. Joe Buck, I, I like Joe Buck. I'm a fan of Joe Buck. But I think having Joe Davis was, it was refreshing. I think as a baseball fan, it's been Joe Buck for how long? It was nice. Well, I know somebody on this, uh, this show probably likes Joe Davis a little bit more Dude. than others. Of course. <laughs> 
Best play-by-play in baseball. I will, yeah. I will, I will counter that, but you know, we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> I'll I'll say Michael K, but as a default, you know. So, <laughs> but I mean, to me, kind of sticking with the takeaways, um, I'm huge on the mic'd up thing. I thought that was really cool. So obviously, for me, it was Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino. You know, bread and butter. That was, cool. yeah, that, right? was super, that was pretty cool. I mean, back and forth. I will say, but. I, like I gotta I gotta give a shout out to your boy Greg uh Clayton Kershaw I thought that was a pretty cool moment for him being able to start his first all-star game at home I'm sure you must have had some some emotions with that I mean yeah it, it was nice for him to finally get the start like it, it's nice that it was at home too you know so he had the crowd going and he had a good like first inning right I mean Shohei got a hit but then, like he picked them off, and then got a got a clean inning. So it's glad I'm glad one Dodger had a good uh, All Star game. <laughs> like I had a little bit of a rough rough going, but you know, I mean, All Star breaks. It was so short this year. It's like, was it? It was like barely even a break. It was just kind of you know like that. Um, just like the event, it didn't feel like there was any break from baseball at all. So uh, I don't know. I kind of. I guess I kind of liked it because it's kind of we're right back into it right now. Um, there's not like a delay or anything. So maybe that's I don't know if that's good or what for the players. But that was interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, the, they had the lockout thing. So kind of right back into it. But but yeah, happy to see uh, Clayton, you know, perform well. So your boy. I mean, I know this is a little off topic, but I was a little disappointed with the break. Because the Yankees had a double header coming out of the All Star break, kind of rigged right there, but you know, not gonna say anything. I also right was not a fan of the of the the short break. I wish there were no break. Uh, <laughs> but we can get into that yes. in a couple minutes. Yes. But um, let let let's stick with the All Star theme. So obviously, every time they announce the All Star teams, there's always one or two guys that are left off noticeably. So did you have anyone that you thought should have deserved to be on the team this year that was left off? Other than my 26 Mariners, um, I definitely think <laughs> um, two, one AL, one NL. I think the first one is Dylan Cease. Mm, I agree. Definitely. And Josh Bell. Those are my two snubs. I really thought they were going to – I thought Dylan Cease was going to get in at least. But, you know. When you have already have Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks, I get, I guess you know, but they definitely and I think the Nationals only had Soto, right? Yep, only Soto. Yeah, so that's why I thought Josh Bell too, because Josh Bell is gonna get traded definitely. He's gone next week, so <laughs> yeah, those are my two surprises. But I'm glad Ty France got in because. He should have been the starting first baseman, statistically. I agree. Right, He is uh, – Vlad's having a down year, but of course, right, and even like um, Alejandro Kirk, if he plays for any other team, he's not going to get votes. When you have the whole country or Canada voting for you, it, you know, it makes sense. But those two – those those are my two, like, wow. Like, because I think Ty France got in the last day. So yeah. I was thinking they were going to get into, but. I mean, I think you nailed it with the cease part. I personally thought cease should have gone in over 
my guy, not trying to be biased, but I thought Garrett Cole shouldn't have been an all-star this year. I think Dylan Cease was doing a little better. And with Nestor Cortez kind of, you know, stealing the show a little bit in the first half. I don't know, Garrett, not at a $300 million pitcher this year, but all that matters is in the in the playoffs for us. So we'll see. I don't know, Greg, did you have any any snubs? Well, I was going to be pissed if Freddie didn't make it, but he snuck into like at the end. I mean, he's hit, he was, he was last day too, I think, or day before. Yeah, he was on like a tear going into all star break. I think he was hitting like 600 that last week or something. And like he was hitting 300, you know, the whole season anyway. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just glad he got in. If he didn't get in, I would have had a problem. Everyone else, I mean, I'm biased, so I didn't really care outside of, yeah. you know, my Dodgers. So I was pretty happy. Oh, and let's not forget Anthony Rizzo, too. I mean, he should have got in. Over. All right. So let, let's stick with the all-star game theme here. So, Jaden, I know you're very um, in-depth person when it comes to baseball knowledge. So let's put that to the test. So with the all-star game, uh, we want to see what your all-star lineup would look like with this year's all-stars. Pick a starting nine. It could be any all-star. Who would you pick at each nine. position? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to put Stanton in right. Oh, sorry, Judge, Judge. I'm sorry. Judge in right. He deserves it. Oh, has him a great year. Um. Julio in center, best rookie, best rookie in baseball, right? Hey, you want views? You get Julio, right? I and want we'll, the truth. I, look, he, he's leading the AL in stolen bases. He's going to be a, he can be a 20, 20, 25, 25 player. Potential. Um, let's see, left field, outfield. Hmm. Soto's having a down year. Maybe Acuna. He was hurt, but, you know, he's making his way back. Um, First base. Oh, who started for the NL at first base? Gold, I think Gold, Goldschmidt definitely deserves that. He's he's doing great. Uh, third, I, I'm going to go with uh, Jose Ramirez. Who's Devers? Devers started. Devers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Jose it was a Ramirez. close one though. It was a yeah. close race. I definitely think it should have been there. Um, let's see, second base. Well, I'll go shortstop. Corey Seager. He's like the hottest, one of the hottest hitters right now. I, I take Corey Seager over Trey Turner. As of right, oh. as of current, currently, currently. Overall, I, I take as a. Seager was hot at the All-Star break. And then second base. Um, let's see. I'm surprised Altuve didn't make it. Did he, he didn't make, it. Did make it. Yeah. He did? Oh, he did? He yeah. Did oh, he didn't start. Play. He didn't start. I'm sorry. That's why he didn't start. <laughs> um, second base. Who started second base? I'm drawing a blank. It was uh, Jimenez. Jimenez from oh, okay. Who was the NL? Uh, Jazz McNeil. and oh okay okay um you know put Ty France second base he can be second 
plays he plays second he, in fantasy, so yeah, he does exactly. And he played second before. Catcher, I mean catcher, catcher. You know, I like that they did the Contreras brother. Southpaw wasn't Contreras over there. I think he deserved that. Okay. Okay. Down to your starting pitcher and your DH. Starting pitcher. Oh, yes. Um, can't go wrong with Shohei as a DH, right? I mean, he's, he's Shohei. I'm not a fan, but, you know, I respect his, you know, what he's doing. Starting pitcher for the All-Star game. Um, you know, based off stats, I guess McClanahan. He's going to, you know. Right. Shane actually, you know, I would like Corbin Burns. Out of Corbin Burns. Mm. The okay. dog. I actually like that list. Minus the the Mariners, you know, we gotta, you know, no Mike Trout. I mean, come on, I know he's hurt. It's a little, it's a little biased. It was, either, okay, it was either Julio or Buxton. No Trout. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh boy. That's too vanilla for me. I want some spice in the All Star lineup. Oh gosh. Best player in baseball though. No. Debatable. Debatable. Okay. That next next episode we can do. <laughs> okay all right i think that's i think that's enough with the all-star thing you know that you're getting a little carried away with the mariners takes oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. now i think it's appropriate that we can transition to your team rightfully so and i think they deserve some flowers because going into the all-star break they went on a 14 game winning streak i think that was the longest in the majors this year right i've tied for the longest but atlanta yeah yeah okay so i mean obviously to start the year it was not pretty uh robbie ray big signing really didn't have a good start there wasn't really any hype with julio he kind of started off slow but after that first month they've kind of started to hit their stride so i mean what's been the success to you or the keys to success during this um biggest thing is it was the starting pitching if you look at that streak they had, or even the last, they were, what, 22 out of 25, I think. The starting pitching has been holding it down enough, even just pitching in general, right? Even if the pitcher pitching struggles, right, they're able to go at least five or six just to give the team a chance. And I know Marco Gonzalez, won, I think it was against Texas, he gave up four in the first two innings. He ended up going six, right? And he and from and the bullpen didn't give up run they won five four so it's kind of things like that you know from watching for the past five years every game pretty much you know a lot of times i'll see a big crooked number on the opponent's team's score and i kind of just turn it off this year's been a little different you know especially in that that win streak they had fun to see again it's good for uh you know mainstream nobody really watches the mariners and for that mainstream attention it's been nice uh yeah you know i remember i mentioned the beginning of the season where the last the first time i was on this show right you guys all doubted me right and a for the first 50 games of the season i understand they were well right at the brawl with the angels they were nine games under 500 i want to say and from then on right something clicked and they went on that 14-game streak without – six games without uh, Jesse Winger. Four games without J.P. Crawford, right? One game without Julio. And all of this without 
rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis, their biggest bat last year, Mitch Hanniger. You know, so it's it's been guys that don't normally produce. They've been producing at the right time. And uh, kind of needed it, really needed it in order to kind of get back into, in, instead of being sellers, you know, we're going to be buyers. And that's the biggest thing for me in order to compete with teams like Houston, Toronto, New York, right? We need to buy. We can't rely, like our farm system is, is one of the best, but, you know, they don't always produce as Julio did the first month of the season. Kelnick still got sent down again, right? So um, it's, you know, it's those guys that aren't always the big names producing. And that's been, I think, the biggest success on this hot streak we've been having. I like it. So obviously, I don't watch any Mariners games. I have no interest in them. You should. Great, great. I, I don't. I don't. Dave but... Sims and Aaron Goldschmidt, oh. they, they definitely top. Uh, Michael, Michael, whatever his name is. Michael K. Michael K. Yeah. Yeah. And Coney and Paul O'Neill, the GOATs. Mm. But I do want to give, I think, you know, from the brief like times I do see them on TV or on quick pitch or whatever the case is, I think the key for them was Robbie Ray. Um, obviously, he yes. was the big signing uh, coming off a Cy Young Award last season. And he really did not start off really well. He was giving up a lot of home runs. Um, but over the past, well, take out this last Astro start, yeah. probably like five or six starts, he's been pretty he's – sho- he's, he's shoved it. <laughs> I mean, he's been pretty dominant. So I, I give he's him a lot of credit. pitching like the guy we signed for. Yeah. Exactly. So I think he's kind of showing you why, like, hey, this is why we paid you the money. This is why you're the, the number one guy in the rotation. So – I think he's been kind of the key for me from briefly watching the Mariners for about five minutes. So, you know, okay. I have a question. So guys like you that aren't always watching what so I guess for Greg, right. I'm curious what something that stands out for you when you see them on the, you know, on, on sports center, which I never see, which is crazy. <laughs> um, well, honestly, they had like a nice, nice little run. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's and it's tough to do, right? Like American League is tough. Um, I definitely think. Um, I think the American League is definitely stronger than the National League. Uh, just overall, right? Um, National League is pretty top heavy. So for the Mariners, you know, to go on a run like that, going into the All Star break, I think it's really that was really big because um kind of like you said right like the buyers or sellers um i think that was kind of their uh all-star break was going to be kind of their their checkpoint i think right like okay what what how are we going to play out the rest of the season um and they're sneaky you know like um i don't know it it's it's tough for me to give them like a real nod just yet like to make a deep playoff run like if i'm being honest um, I definitely think it's similar to what, you know, the A's do every year, kind of like they can kind of sneak into the playoffs. I still think they're going to need probably another high caliber starting pitcher um, to make a run. Like to see a little more consistency from the guys like, you know, you traded for it, like the two Reds guys, right? Um I think it's there. I think, yeah, you can definitely build around Julio, but I think it's going to take 
you guys are gonna definitely need to make some moves if if you guys are serious about uh going deep. So yeah, but I think it's there. I think you guys are going in the right direction for sure. That 14 game winning streak is no joke. So gotta give them props for that. Thank you. All right. I think that's a good way to transition to the next topic. So with the trade deadline about one week away. Um, so obviously our teams as of now, we're all pretty sure we're going to be buyers at the deadline. So crazy, crazy. Yeah, all three teams. I, I, I thought it was going to be two, two teams as buyers and one as a seller, but you know what? they, I got to give them their flowers. But, Jaden, we'll start with you, obviously, as the guest. What do the Mariners need to do at the trade deadline? Well, uh, Greg said it first. I think the biggest thing is going to be a, a top-line starting pitcher. As good as Robbie Ray has been recently, right, his biggest issue his whole entire career was consistency. So I think getting a, you know, a top-line, like, you know, if he goes out, you know you're going to get a strong six or seven, you know, give up two or two runs or so. I think that's going to be the biggest thing, especially if we want to push towards the playoffs. And I know Greg Greg said make a deep run in the playoffs. And as a Mariners fan, we're just trying to get there. <laughs> we're just trying to get that's there. That's fair. Hey, I respect it. Like, I don't care how far we get. We guess we just got to get there. So I think, you know, and it's just, it's so disappointing, right? And enough for you guys. Right. You expect to make it to the playoffs. Right. And you know, you're going to get there. So it's different. You know, we're just trying to get there. But uh, same thing, biggest thing, starting starting pitcher. I would really like uh, like a Whit Merrifield kind of guy at second base. Our second base production from Adam Frazier has been subpar. He was not he's not the hitter he was last year. And it's just really unfortunate. You know, we did fleece uh, San Diego again for like the second time to get Adam Frazier. But I, I definitely think we could get a little more consistent, maybe power hitting second baseman that I would really, uh, even a, like a Whit Merrifield, I would, you know, that'd be perfect for this lineup. Um, and I think maybe one or one more reliever or so, they lack the consistency. Uh, tonight, Diego Castillo gave up a solo home run in the ninth and then walked two. That ain't gonna cut it in the playoffs, right? Especially when, towards the you know September, middle of late September when you know it really matters. You know, I think having a veteran guy in that back bullpen is gonna you know really solidify things because Paul Seawall is doing his job. You know, Andres Munoz is throwing 101. You know, he's doing great. But I think a little one one more three yeah three more guys in, on this team and we'll. And also we need Mitch Hanniger back. That's going to be the big one. Having Hanniger back will be another piece, another bat. So with that, I think we have the, you know, we can, we can get there. Not go far. We'll get there. One and done in the playoffs. <laughs> That's the goal, right? We just got to get there. At least the wildcard series is three games now. True. At least you get it's not one game at minimum. Not one game. So, yeah. All right, Greg. Let's move to your Dodgers. So obviously Man. they're kind of pulling away, unfortunately, in the division. So I'm ready to kind of concede that. But obviously they need some help. I think. All right. What do you well, think they need to do? 
Well, I think I talked about this on the last pod too, that it was going to come down to our pen. Um, yeah, pen has not been great, and it doesn't help that we can't stay healthy this year, both sides, pitching. Um, you know, we, we, we've been out Walker Bueller for a while. The GOAT Andrew Heaney hasn't been pitching since, you know, Shocking. his great start. To Always the disappointing everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, a bunch of guys. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, Matt. Don't worry. Um, Trinan's been out. Like a lot of our pen guys, you know, Gratterall, all these guys, you know, that have been key components to our, our team in the past several years just can't stay healthy. Um, so I'm really not too worried. Um, I would like to see them get one more lefty arm uh, in the pen. If we could do that, I think that's that's going to be our biggest thing. Um, starting pitching, I'm really not too concerned, honestly, as long as all our guys come back healthy. Um, I do think we're going to need to go after a bat that can hopefully hit lefties a little more. Um because I don't know if you guys really follow this, you know, how the Dodgers have been doing, but Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, guys that have been key, you know, players for our team. Um, obviously, the past several years are like really struggling this year. Uh, Max Muncy's hitting 160, you know, Belly's hitting barely above 200. I mean, neither of them can hit lefties at all. Uh, I think that's going to be a problem. So if we could hopefully snag one more guy i mean there have been some nice surprises though um even if we can't get someone like trace thompson so clay's brother right clay thompson mm-hmm. brother. I was say, yeah he has been like so this is his second stint with the dodgers right like he he was on the dodgers previously several years ago uh you know didn't make too much noise he hit you know somewhere in the 200s but he's been hot ever since he joined the team his average is all you know up all the way at 300 now i think when he joined our team 20 or so games ago, he was, you know, hovering around 200. Um, so he's been hot and he's been, you know, um, not just hitting, you know, base hits. Uh, I mean, his slugging is at 500. He's, I think he has like 14, 15 RBIs in 20 something games. It's been really nice because Chris Taylor's been hurt. So that was a huge pickup. I don't know how or how that's working out, but I'm grateful that it's working out. Um, but yeah, I think a lefty bat, uh, oh, sorry, a lefty pitcher and then a bat that can just produce a little more against lefties, just give, you know, Roberts a little more flexibility. Um, that guy needs all the flexibility he can get sometimes. Like I love Dave. He's won us a ring, but there are some, some decisions he makes in the playoffs. I do not agree with. So, uh, those are going to be my two things to look out for. Honestly, if we don't get anyone, I it it won't kill me just because we have a lot of guys that are hurt. Um, but I guess the big name that we're all gonna be watching out for, obviously, I'll just throw this out there if we can somehow get Soto, right? Like that'd be amazing. I don't know who we'd have to trade to to do that, but um, I'm not even banking on that. We got Mookie for ten years, we got Freddie for six years. I really don't know if we can even afford them. Um, we all know Matt. Matt wants the Yankees. Yeah, to have yeah. Him. So I know, I know, he wants it. I know he wants, yeah, to get into the solo thing. But that's it for me for now. Get some, left. Get a lefty arm and someone that can hit lefties, and we'll be good. 
best team for last, I guess. So where, where, where do we start here? So they kind of need right now, they're, they're hitting a little bit of a, a rough stretch, I think. And they're, they got a little exposed with the Astros. So they need pitching. And it, it also doesn't help that they just lost Michael King, who has been outstanding. He's out for the year. So we need a back-end reliever. And the guy I always kind of looked at from the start of the year was David Robertson from the Cubs, who was a former Yankee twice. Um, but I think he would be a pretty good addition. Obviously, you know he can handle the pressure in October. He's been with the organization. Um, you know, we're not asking him to be the closer, obviously, with Clay Holmes kind of taking that position away from Chapman. But having that late-inning guy, a seventh, eighth-inning guy who can goal two innings if needed, I think that's super valuable to have. And then another guy who's kind of not being talked about a lot, but I wouldn't mind seeing is Gregory Soto from the Tigers. I think he's got some pretty electric stuff and having a hard throwing lefty in the back end is it's pretty valuable to have late in the games. So I'm looking for those two guys. If Cashman can make the plug. And then obviously we need one X factor in the rotation. And there really is two guys that everyone is trying to go after. And to me, it's, it's Luis Castillo. I think he would, he would make them not the favorite overall favorite, but he would give them a decisive advantage. And it just gives so much depth to their starting rotation. And I've always kind of said this to you, Greg, you know, when we talk about baseball, but if there was one pitcher that could go into the bullpen and just be dominant, that's Luis Severino to me. I think if you threw him, he could be a closer for the Yankees. That's how nasty his stuff is. And He's injured right now, so you don't know how he's going to be when he comes back. And if he needs to turn into a late-inning late reliever, then you need someone to fill that void as the number two starter, or number three, I guess, with Nestor pitching this well. But Luis Castillo, perfect fit for the Bronx, I think. Not, why not honestly, uh, like Frankie Montas? What, what about? I mean, I, I like Frankie, but... He's the A's. Like, I don't know. It's just hard for me to get on the A's. And I, I really think that Frankie, and we can talk about this in our next topic, but I really think Frankie would go to the Dodgers. Like, I could see Frankie Montas on the Dodgers being close, you know, in that LA area, obviously. So I think that would be a better fit for him. But the Yankees, in terms of the positions, they do need an outfielder. And I know you guys brought up the Juan Soto thing. And that is, you know, that would be all-time great, but to me, they, they just need someone to consistently hit the ball and put, put the ball in play because the guy they got last year is a complete disaster right now. So <laughs> <laughs> he better be off the team in about a week. So, um, But the guys that I look at, um, Ben Intendi is a guy that they've been targeting, but a little concerned that he's unvaccinated just because there is a chance that the Yankees could play the Blue Jays in the playoffs and you want everyone there. Um, so the other guy that I look at is Ian Happ of the Cubs. I think he would actually might be a better fit just because he can play center field. And while Aaron judge is doing a terrific job there, you know, he's more valuable to me with his bat and you want to keep his legs fresh so he can make that push in September 
and October. So obviously, Ian Happ could play center. So you would, you would have right. Aaron Judge DH? No, he can play right. It's just taking off the stress of your legs. As a center fielder, you got to cover more. Oh, he's playing center right now? Yeah. He's the full time center fielder. Wait, where does Hicks play? Left. Oh, what? Yeah, Hicks, Hicks had and Stanton. So. It's a platoon on the on the corners, but Aaron Judge is the center fielder when he's oh. in the lineup. Sorry, I don't watch Yankees baseball. I know. Cause they, I don't they watch comedy sounds. Oh. <laughs> you know, spending too much time with those Mariners, I think, you know, all your blasphemous takes. But you know what? We'll leave that for another debate show, maybe. <laughs> Wait, what about – I want to hear you. You're not going to shout at your boy, Matt Carpenter? Oh, I mean <laughs> – Dude, he's in on a the stash, tear, bro, man. The stash, bro. On, man. Wait, we're talking about the trade deadline, but okay, if you want me to keep going, I, I mean, I can. I, well, I just this, want, I mean, that was a hell of a pickup. I'll acknowledge, I gotta acknowledge that. That's insane. Who would have thought? Matt Carpenter. He, he, he really fixed his swing like over the offseason. That was really like he's really turned himself into a he's really what Joey Gallo was supposed to be. Like, yeah. that's literally what, what it is. So, so do you think this, this trade deadline you get you to get rid of Joey Gallo? I mean, yeah, we don't we don't need him. <laughs> but where where would we play him? Wow. But that's my point. If he can't hit, you can't play in the playoffs. Like, I'm not gonna pay him, you know, almost twenty million dollars to sit on the bench or just be a defensive sub. Like, I would rather have Tim Locastro on the bench. He brings more value to me because he can pinch run and he can play defense. Having that speed threat in the playoffs off the bench is, is huge to me. That's how you steal a run late in the game. Okay. So fair. I, I don't know. Like if you can't hit the ball, you can't, you have no place to be in the team. If you, unless you're Tim LaCastro or Trey Turner running the bases, like that to me is, is more valuable. So Joey Gallo was a nice run, but hopefully by next podcast, uh, you're somewhere else. And I wish <laughs> you the best. I wish you the best. I really do. Yankees really fans, do. huh? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Just we have high fans. expectations. This is, you know, it's been a good year so far. You know, we just need to go all in, all in. <laughs> all right. So, obviously, with the trade deadline coming up, there's a lot of big names that have been rumored to, to go to different teams. So, I'm just going to list a few guys, and then you guys can bark out what team you guys think this player is going to go to, or if he stays with the current team. All right. First name is Frankie Montas. And I already gave my pick on this one. <laughs> I mean, I'll take anyone. I don't know. The more arms, the better. So yeah, let's say you go to the Dodgers. I'll take that. Hmm. Frankie Montas. You know, I feel like he's going to stay on. I don't know. Because he <laughs> was supposed to leave, right? After this past offseason, they were dumping everybody. Right? They dumped Chapman, Olsen, right? But, I mean, you're right, though. I could see him as with the Dodgers. They they have the – I don't know who they would give up, right? Because their farm system is kind of slowly going downhill, If I correct me if I'm wrong, right? Well, we're getting yeah, a little depleted. We keep – Trading for, <laughs> yeah, you got rid of Kieber, Josiah, Josiah Gray, right? Like all those guys, but you know, I I wouldn't mind if he's there because I don't have to deal with him anymore. Because he shoves, 
and I see him way too damn much, you know, it'd be cool. You know, I, I'm sure Seattle's vying for him because we do need that pitcher, right? But I could see him. I could. I. I think I could see him more as a Dodger than any other any other team. Yeah, I don't see him going to Seattle just because of the in in division yeah. scheme. So I don't think they would do that. All right, next picture, Luis Castillo. Mm, a lot of head nods on this one. Uh, I mean, it's hard to predict where these guys are gonna go. Hmm. I'll make it easy. He's going to the Yankees. Oh God! All right. Okay, who do the Yankees give up? The, far, the Yankees' farm system is slowly going downhill. They're getting rid of all their prospects. Everyone's old. Peraza. Are they willing to do that just for this one season? Peraza, the shortstop? Yeah. That's I thought he's the future. Is no, he not Volpe. the future? Oh, Volpe. Volpe. Oh, Volpe. He's their number oh, one prospect. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. You got to save Volpe yes. just in case for Soto, but... But I think Peraza, they would give up Peraza to get Kestema. Okay. All right, this is an interesting one, Shohei. You know, I was, watching, I was watching MLB Network, and Dan Plesak was saying, oh, his big take <laughs> is that he's going to go to Atlanta. I was like, what? But nah, I really don't think he's going he's gonna to leave. I don't okay. think... There's going to be a package that's big enough for them to be like, yeah, let's do it. Because honestly, if the Angels get rid of Shohei Otani, right, there goes Mike Trout's career, for one. The Angels become irrelevant again. Yeah, they were, they were relevant for the first month of the season, and then they lost 14 straight. I don't think that they have enough balls to trade for Shohei Otani. Well, okay, well, here's my – I'll play devil's advocate for this, to that take. So, okay, so they don't want to – they don't want to trade him, right? Like, obviously, like, who would want to trade Shohei? My thing is, can they re-sign him? Right? Mm, So that's the question. If you don't think you can re-sign him or if you don't think he's going to want to stay – on the angels oh he's gone you, you might as well right you might as well tr- try to trade him now so at least you get something in return that's that's my that that would be my counter to that right like if you are not confident that you can convince him or you're not you don't want to pay whatever you're gonna have to pay to keep him like business wise i think you have to try to explore options because obviously he's turning into almost the face, arguably, right, of baseball, you know, Mike Trout, whatever, best player in the game, but, like, just the excitement and the box office that Shohei brings, like, this is going to be his peak peak value, too. So, you know, when he's – if he's on his last year anyway and teams are not going to be too worried because um, they don't think he's going to stay. I don't know. I think if you're the Angels, you got to explore something and see if there's a package worth taking because – I really don't think they can hold on to him at the, at the rate that they're going at as promising as the season started. Like you said, right. Like the losing streak, I think, cause it sounds like he wants to win and they haven't been able to do that in 
all the time he's been there. So in his what, fourth year? Yes, yeah, something like that, right? Third yeah. or fourth year. Oh, fifth year, fifth year. Fifth Sorry, year? fifth year. Oh my gosh. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think if you're the Angels, you gotta seriously consider that. That's my take on it. Okay, last one. Where's Juan Soto going? Or staying? <laughs> well, he's not staying. <laughs> I, I don't I actually staying. don't think he's good he's gonna get traded. I think he yeah. stays. I think he stays too. I think people aren't willing to give up that much prospects for him. That's a lot. Yeah. Like. I don't know who would trade for I don't think much teams have that much to give. Man. Yeah, because, well, well, when I said I don't think he's staying, I I meant, like, I don't think he's going to re-sign. That's what I meant, sorry. Um, Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ah, Yeah, because this is probably, you know, all the – after it came out that he's not going to re-sign, then teams are probably thinking he's at his cheapest right now, right? Because they know he's not going to want to re-sign, so it's like, oh, why give up everything? But uh, I still think – I don't know. I'm hoping for some some juicy trade. As long as it's not to the Yankees, I don't really care. I think maybe – uh, I think the favorite, right, was uh, St. Louis. That's what I heard. There's been some noise with that. Yeah. I have a friend that's a Cardinals fan. You might know uh, Bully Aris. Um, he's, he was telling me that, you know, he, he, he'd he be okay with Juan Soto, but he doesn't want to get rid of uh, Dylan Carlson. Oh. He's kind of, the, you know, the, kind of the future right, in that outfield. But if you're, you're the Cardinals, I mean, Jesus, right? If you get Juan Soto, Soto, Goldschmidt, Arenado. Edmund is legit too. Ed, yeah, Edmund too. That's, That's disgusting. Team. That's a team, man. Absolutely disgusting. Like, if I'm a Dodger, I would be pretty concerned if I have to face them in like the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I I do not like seeing Juan Soto in the playoffs. It doesn't. It didn't work out so. <laughs> oh well yeah, bad vibes, huh? That was bad great. vibe. That was bad great. vibes. Bad vibes. I hate that. All right. That shuffle. I hate it. I wouldn't want him on the Cardinals, but I could see it. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> All right. Well, enough with the MLB. Let's go to a different league called uh, the HBL with our last topic of the day. So, obviously, I'm I'm injured. I'm sitting out this, this season, but uh, apparently you two had a pretty intense game this past <laughs> weekend. So, I want to hear more about this. I mean, how was that? I know second string came out on top. Yeah. I mean, it was a good game. It was honestly a good game. Jaden threw a hell of a yeah. game. Would you go like four scoreless? Six scoreless. Six scoreless. Oh, six scoreless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the wind was blowing. Like, they had everything going. Or Jaden had everything going, I guess. His defense. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He wasn't K-ing a bunch of us. Like, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> But he was getting us out, like, honestly. Um, we did hit, like, 17 guys. That's the most guys that have shown up. So we hit, And we hit all 17. Um, I mean, there are some, like, it's just it was just one of those days. Like, there are some decently hard-hit balls, you know? Just, I mean, they were finding their defense. So, like, their outfielders were making the plays. Like, they were all making the plays that they should have. 
And uh, it came down to like a couple plays, a couple calls didn't go our way. And that was pretty much the game, honestly. We didn't really have any momentum through two lefties. Um, pitched and coached a hell of a game, Jaden. So I got to tip my hat to. Uh, Thank you. Train. Thank you. Something about the has beens. They just sandbag during the regular season. <laughs> they just try to turn it on in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, but, we'll see. Obviously, yeah. Jayden, though, you guys are in your guys' first year with the big boys in the E1. Yeah. So how how has it been in your definitely an, definitely an adjustment. Uh, we're not rolling teams, obviously. Um, you know the first couple games, right? We first time we lost like two games, two three games in a row, right? Because we're so used to, you know, going like you know ten and two and in, in, in D two, right? The the vibes were down, totally honest. Things weren't good. It was it was a weird thing. Like people weren't having fun. Hmm. But you know, and I kind of thought, right? If they're gonna think that winning is the thing that's fun, they shouldn't be playing. Right? So I was kind of like, "Come on, guys, fuck it, let's have fun. Who gives? Who cares?" Right? And our first win came against uh, no clue. <laughs> and man that was one of the most fun games win or lose we said we had a lot of fun we were yelling we had the micronesian church kids coming oh, cheering yeah. for us at Alawa. He, he had the boys going let's go stringers right it was awesome and then from there you know we were like ah you know if we lose we lose just have fun and you know we were we were three and nine but we should have been at least we lost in two walk-offs so we should we should be five and seven, and in the D one in the, the open playoff, right? But as Greg knows, both of us are in the lower division playoff, right? <laughs> you know, and from from playing in D two for the past four years, the top teams they're good. Right? I'm not gonna lie. Like if Hasman and Second String both played in Division two, we would be at the top. That's just the way it is, right? So it's exciting. I will say the pitching gets a little easier. Pitching gets a little easier, and that was the big thing with going up to D1. The pitching, we weren't used to it. We were kind of getting blown away for a bit. But I'm excited. Hopefully, we, you know, we have a chance to play them again, and I can just throw change-ups to Greg, and he'll just be out in front of it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pissed. I throw that yeah. change up down in a way. That's no, where you gotta go. That's exa- I think that's the exact pitch he threw. I don't know if it yep. was down. Both times. <sighs> yeah. Third batter, you can't throw him a fastball, right? Bro, yeah. I was pissed. Come back, you're right to me. I touch the rest myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he right, got Jayden. me. I took my cap. <laughs> I got one more question for you. Who has been right. the MVP of second string so far this year? Ryan O'Hira. Oh my god! You know, out of all the guys, I was not expecting him to adjust this fast in, for the D one pitching. He is an absolute dog in the outfield. He gets everything. He saved me a couple times this past Sunday. He took away about two hits. I only gave up one, but he, you know, he held it down. He almost hit it out of uh, Hans last week. Wow! He one hop the fence. One hop defense center field. Dang. And uh, 
he's fast. So I think he's probably going to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, one of the big pieces for this playoff. All right. I like that. Shout out Ryan. Hopefully you listen to the podcast. So probably doesn't, but you're well, yeah, he probably doesn't. You got to send <laughs> that out. I will. <laughs> All right. But I think that concludes our episode for this week. Uh, it's good to be back after our month break. But uh, Jaden, thanks for stopping by. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Julio. (laughs) All right. Bronx Bombers this year. You know it. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs)